You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode 28, airing on March 12th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to use coaching to engage and develop others without relying on authority or sanctions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is how to drive productivity by getting out of people's way. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak and I'm coming to you from our studio here in Orange County, California, where it was a beautiful weekend. I hope the same was true wherever you were and whatever you were doing this past weekend. And we're back for another episode this week. Last week, we looked at how you can coach others to be more productive. This week, we're going to look at what you can and probably should be doing to get out of other people's way in helping them to be productive. But before jumping in there, you may have noticed there was a little different uh, wording in the intro today. I did add in a few words, and I was listening this week to an interview uh, that Daniel Pink was conducting with Gary Hamill, who's one of the top management thinkers out in the business world today. And Gary Hamill said that when he works with executive leaders, one of the questions he asks them uh, when he's working with team retreats is he'll say, how would you lead people if you didn't have any formal authority or any access to sanctions. And he said when he asks that of leaders, most leaders don't know what to do. And of course, he says that that that's not really leadership. And I couldn't agree more. And in fact, when I heard that question and I heard his definition of leadership, I thought that's exactly the types of folks who listen to this show. The folks who listen to this show are people who want to truly lead, not just manage. And that means that the people that listen to the show want to develop teams of people who work with them who desire to be led, not people who feel like they have to follow you, but people who feel like they want to follow you. And if you want to be that type of leader, this is the place for you. And so as we look today at how to help people to be a little bit more productive, we have to, of course, as leaders, always be looking back at ourselves in what we're doing, either to support productivity or to sometimes impede productivity as well. And let me tell you, if you ever want to know what some of your weaknesses may be, All you need to do is try leading others, because if you're not already aware of what your weaknesses are, when you start leading any number of people, and especially if you're leading a larger team of people, it will get reflected in the entire team. The weaknesses you have tend to get reflected out amongst people pretty quickly. And we do, they do tend to come right back at us, uh, right smack dab in our faces, a lot of times at the very worst times. And so when we think about productivity, it's not just enough to know how to coach others to be productive. We have to also look at ourselves and what we can do to get out of the way of people's productivity. And so we're going to look at that today. And I've got four key areas for you to focus on so you can help 
people to be more productive just by getting out of their way. But before we jump into that, uh, you can call and ask questions anytime. If you have a question for this show, you want to know how to lead more effectively using good coaching skills. If you'd like to learn how to lead without relying on position power and sanctions and punishing people, then by all means, call in or email a question to me and we will address it on the show. You can call in a question to 949-38-LEARN. Again, that's 949-38-LEARN. Or you can email the show here at feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So again, that's feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And those of you who use Skype, you can also reach us on Skype. And our Skype name is Innovate Learning, same as our company name. So let's jump in today to look at four areas where you can really get out of people's way. Uh, first and foremost, the, the one thing that comes to my mind before anything else, when I think of productivity and I think of leaders getting out of people's way in order to be more productive, is challenging leaders to move to outcome-based meetings. Now, I'll tell you what that means here in just a minute, but the opposite of outcome-based meetings would be the old standby, the standing meeting. And everyone who's ever worked in an organization inevitably has dealt with the standing meeting. Well, what's the standing meeting? The standing meeting is the meeting that happens every Monday morning at 10 a.m. and lasts from 10 a.m. to 11.30, whether it needs to or not. Even if the business could be done between 10 a.m. and 10.15, or maybe not at all, there will be a meeting between 10 a.m. and 11.30 every Monday morning, and everybody needs to come. That's a standing meeting. And if you're anything like me, you have learned, if you've been involved in a lot of them over the years, you've learned to dread the standing meeting. And boy, I have seen so many of them, both as a participant and also as an observer sitting in and watching our clients uh, run meetings. And unfortunately, it so more often than not, meetings just aren't as productive as they could be. And I love the quote from Cyril Parkinson, and I've heard many variations of this over the years, but I think uh, Parkinson was the originator of this quote. Work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. I'll say that again. Work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. So if, uh, if there's 90 minutes for the meeting, it's going to take 90 minutes to have the discussion. If there's only 20 minutes for the meeting, it's going to take 20 minutes to have the discussion. So we want to really step away from just having this standing meeting, this 90-minute meeting or 60-minute meeting, however it is, however often it is, whether it's every morning or every other morning or once a week. Uh, and there's a couple of warning signs to watch out for. If you find either of these two things happening, chances are you are falling into the standing meeting trap. So here's a couple warning signs to watch out for. First one is you can't figure out what to talk about. <laughs> As in you're trying to put together content or agendas for the meeting uh, just before the meeting or maybe even during the meeting, and you really can't figure out how to fill the time, but you feel like you have to fill the hour meeting because you're supposed to have an hour meeting. If you ever feel like that or you feel like that often, chances are you're falling into the standing meeting trap. The other one, the number two, and this one's probably even more common, is you're just doing a data dump on people. 
And I can't tell you how many times I've sat in on meetings uh, with our clients and I've seen this happen where the manager has a standing meeting once a week or once every other week and gets everyone together in the room. And sometimes it's 15, 20, 25 people and stands there or sits there. And for the whole hour, about 50 minutes of the hour is the person running the meeting uh, walking through PowerPoint slides and basically talking at everyone who's there and doing what I would call a data dump and just briefing people on on what's there. Now, you know, 40 years ago, that was okay to do. It, it still wasn't fun 40 years ago, but there weren't a whole lot of other options because you had to send out memos, you had to send things through the mail. But these days, there's so many other options for being able to get people information. Uh, you can give people access to a file online. You can send out a, a brief uh, weekly email with the data dump of what people need to know, or at least the information on where to access things that they need to know, because you know, all 25 people don't need all 50 minutes of information. And when I've, uh, when I talk with leaders about this, sometimes I've heard people say, well, you know, it's only an hour. It's just one hour once a week. Well, it may only be an hour for you and it may only be an hour for each staff member, but if you have 25 people in a room times an hour a piece, that's 25 working hours. So 25 working hours is one person working for three full days straight. So yeah, it's only an hour increment, but it's a lot of productivity. So we really do want to get the best out of meeting time when we are going to hold meetings. I'm not saying don't hold meetings. We need to hold meetings. We need to have dialogue. And there's no better place to have dialogue than in a meeting. But what you want to do is to move toward an outcome-based meeting. So I, I challenge you to ask yourself a couple of questions when you are getting ready for the next meeting. So first of all, what awful thing would happen if we didn't meet today? And if there's something awful that would happen or something that would be delayed or something that wouldn't move forward, then by all means, have the meeting. And then secondly, am I clear on what outcome I want to have come out of this meeting? And that's the shift that I would challenge you as a leader to make if you're not already thinking this way is move to an outcome-based meeting versus just what's on the schedule. So here's what I mean by outcome, that when you walk into the meeting, you have a stated outcome for what you want to see come out of the meeting. And in addition to that, that outcome is shared with everyone in the room. Or depending on the situation, maybe it's the outcome of other people in the room and they come to the, the, the floor with an agenda. So one is have a stated outcome for what is uh, supposed to happen in the meeting. Now, is it always going to come out uh, with that outcome? No. But at least you go in with the outcome of where we're going. And then, of course, secondly, is have a very clear agenda. What is this meeting about? Who's going to be communicating during this meeting? What points are we going to hit? And, let, and then, of course, sticking to that agenda. And this is where a lot of meetings get off track is, uh, you know, leaders will do a, a fairly good job of planning for what's going to be talked about and what the meeting's about. And then either they'll go off on tangents or they'll let someone else go off on tangents. And all of a sudden it's a 90 minute meeting and they've only spent 10 minutes talking about the thing that was really important. So what I challenge you to do is not only have the agenda, but have someone in the meeting who's in charge of keeping everyone on track. Now, if that's you as the leader, make sure you're good at doing that. If it's not, uh, talk with someone, get someone who on board who's willing to do that to keep people on track and have someone who's, you know, uh, you know call them whatever you want to call them, the timekeeper, the agenda master, whatever. But 
have them keep the meeting on track. And then of course, finally, when you come out of the meeting is have action items. I used to go to a weekly meeting a number of years ago and the staff would get together once a week and would talk about all these great ideas and nobody would ever get assigned any action items and everyone would leave the meeting and nothing would ever happen. And sure enough, we'd get together the week after, the week after that, the month after that, and we'd go through the entire year, I'd hear the same meeting four or five times. It seemed like every other week because nothing would ever get done and nobody had any action items. So in addition to the stated outcome and the agenda, make sure that people walk out the door with action items. And that means you too, as the leader. If you're asking people to do things, you should be doing things yourself as well. So make sure you're facilitating that process and you have a system for follow-up so that the action items actually get moved on. So if you can make that shift from from the standing meeting to the outcome-based meeting, you will get out of people's way, number one, They'll value their time in the meeting more because they'll realize the time is utilized well. Secondly, you'll save time because if you only need 20 minutes for the hour meeting, you'll finish it at 20 minutes and you'll give people more time to be doing the things that you've hired them to do. So let's look at the second area. Secondly, is we want to also as leaders align the working environment with people. Now, unfortunately, most of the time and in most organizations, do the exact opposite. They align people with the working environment. So my challenge to you is align the working environment with the people that you have in your organization. I just read this week a article in Fortune magazine, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. And uh, they had surveyed office workers and tried to find out what is the number one productivity killer that gets in the way of most people in office environments guess what it is? You probably already know. It's drop-ins. It's people dropping in to the cubicle, dropping into the office, uh, unexpected conversations, uh, you know, impromptu meetings, all of those things that tend to happen in an office environment. And many of us, and this is changing, but many of us still work in organizations where people assemble all together in a place or a, or a number of places every day and do work. And so uh, although that is starting to change somewhat through work at home and flexible shifts and all that, and we'll talk about that in a minute, you, you want to be conscious of how and where people like to work. And, and there's a lot of things to keep in mind with that just within the office environment. So I'm not just talking about giving people options to work from home or do whatever, uh, you know, or uh, kind of some of the flexible work options that many organizations are offering, but also just thinking about aligning the working environment with people as opposed to the other way around. So a quick example, uh, about uh, a year and a half ago, one of the organizations that uh, I've served over the years uh, had a, went through a major restructuring process and one of the employees there that I've worked with over the over a number of years and have gotten to know very well and have become close friends with her, uh, she her workspace was moved. And previously, she had a workspace where she was in a pretty high traffic area, and she loved it because she's uh, you know she's just a friendly, extroverted type person, loved being around people, uh, really fed off the energy that uh, people would uh, bring her every day when she was in a high traffic zone. And she went from that to, uh, and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> describe the difference if I, if I tried uh, with more detail. But 
Um, she went from the from that to the exact opposite. They put her in a corner of a building without windows, <laughs> way in the corner in back where no one ever walks by her anymore. And now, of course, it wasn't done intentionally. Uh, it's just that nobody was thinking. They were thinking about the working environment first and who are we going to put where, rather than thinking of the people first and then what environment is going to be most helpful for them. And I'll tell you, every time I ran into her for that, like the first six months in that new spot, she was miserable. She was just miserable in her work every day. And she was doing the exact same job. But what was different is that she didn't have anyone to interact with anymore. And because she thrived on that and because she loved that so much, she wasn't able to get the energy in the workplace that she was used to. And it was really depressing for her. And it was hard to watch. And I, it, was, it was amazing to me, too, because it was such an easy problem to solve. The, or, the way they had their office laid out, uh, a couple of quick dialogues between a few people would have solved the problem almost instantly. And yet, it, it didn't work out that way. And it was, it was sad to watch, but it's unfortunately so common. And I have the opposite issue. Uh, when I've worked in organizations, I remember, um, I guess it was about eight years ago, I was working in an office and um, I was located in like the central area of the office. And so when people would walk into the office, I, I didn't have an office. I had kind of like a cent. I was in the central uh, cubicle area um, and I hated it <laughs> because I do not do well, opposite of my friend, I don't do well being interrupted. I do not like people randomly dropping in on me during the day. Um, I tend to be more of an introvert. I like to really focus on my work. I like to be in a corner somewhere. That's not to say I don't still interact with people. I like you know getting out and, and talking to people once in a while. But when I'm working, I want to be left alone. I want to focus somewhere where someone's not going to interrupt me. And I had a really hard time being productive. In fact, I really struggled in that in that environment for probably almost a year until I got to move to a different space. And as soon as I moved to a different space where I had more privacy, I was way in the corner of an, of an office then, I, I was so much happier and I was so much more productive too. And my productivity went up almost immediately. And so, you know, two very different examples, but examples of how if, uh, if both of those organizations had thought about the people first and how the people like to work and where they like to work, we both would have been a whole lot more productive. And so one thing to consider when you're thinking about um, working environments is just thinking about the people that you have on your team and where they are, where they like to be, what kind of environments they like to work in and how they like to interact too. Uh, you know, there's this bias right now in the, certainly the business world. And I think, uh, you know, probably in the nonprofit world as well is putting people on teams and getting everyone on a team and teams always work better. And there's starting to be uh, kind of an interesting movement growing now in the leadership literature and books and um, the speaking circuits of some people starting to question that now saying, hey, you know, is teams really always the best thing? And so what I would challenge you to do as a leader is to just ask yourself the question, is this a time when a team's going to work well? And are these the people who are going to work well on a team? And if that is, yes, by all means, if they work best that way, get people on teams. But otherwise, if the opposite is true, like someone like me, for example, I don't like working on a team. 
Uh, it, well, I shouldn't say I don't like working on a team. My preference is generally not to work on a team. I like to work alone, especially on the front end of a project. I like to work alone, uh, get a process down, figure something out, and then go talk to people and then start to get some other ideas. But I like to start on my own first. And so it's really helpful when I've worked with people in organizations who have said, hey, you know, go for it yourself. And in fact, I even tell that to clients now is uh, and just had it happen this week where someone called us and asked us to put together a strategy for a leadership retreat. And I said, I'd love to do that. Let me get some information from you. Took some information. I said, give me a week to do some initial thinking on it, some high level thinking, and I'll get back to you and we'll schedule a call for next week. And um, then we'll start tossing around, uh, you know, more of the details. And they said, great. So, you know, part of it is learning how you work best, but also being aware of how your team and the people that you are leading work best too. So if they work great on teams, by all means, go for it. But if they don't, don't force people to be on a team. You may be stifling their productivity. Don't don't be the person that gets in the way of them being productive. And uh, something that I saw just this past week that if I think every leader should watch this is there is a, a TED Talk. If you haven't seen TED Talks, just go ahead and Google uh, TED, T-E-D, and I think it stands for Technology, uh, Entertainment, and Design. Uh, but they're the they're fifteen and twenty minute talks about leaders in uh, education, design, technology, uh, talking about uh, productivity and how to work more effectively. It's just a great website. It's a really neat uh, video series, and they post a couple every week. And there's a video the, from this past week from Susan Kane, who it's called "The Power of Introverts." And she gives an amazing 20-minute talk on introverts and introverts working in organizations and how to work in groups and how to not work in groups and how to think about different people different ways. And I think every leader should watch it. If you do nothing else for your development this week, go watch that video. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes, and I'll give you the information on how to get to that at the end of the episode here. So that's the second thing, is align the working environment with people. Now, third is create a results oriented workplace, a results-oriented workplace. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, in a lot of organizations, the work schedule is eight to five or nine to five or seven to four, whatever the work schedule is. And, you know, it used to be that it was very much uh, the way of the world that everyone worked those hours and uh, everyone went into work at a certain time and came home at a certain time. And before we all had access to internet and technology, it was important for all of us to be in the same place at the same time. And you know what? It's just not as important anymore. There's so many things that we can do to be flexible and work with technology and interact with people. Case in point, you're listening to my voice right now. Most of the people who listen to the show, I have never met. You have never met me. And yet you're listening to my voice. And so we can interact with each other and learn from each other and have a dialogue and build a community, even though we've never met each other. And so technology is opening up so many great doors for us. And unfortunately, though, we're still caught in a lot of these patterns of thinking about things from a standpoint of how much, um, how much effort someone is putting into something versus the results that they're getting. So I'm also going to challenge you to move beyond just how much effort someone's putting in and really look towards creating a results-oriented workplace or a results-oriented organization if you're in a nonprofit organization. And the 
you know, the old traditional timeframes and schedules, you know, one of the things I always challenge people to look at is how can you make your workplace more results oriented? And uh, there's a couple of people who have created this movement called ROWE, and R-O-W-E stands for Results-Oriented Work Environment. And it was created by uh, two women named Callie Ressler and Jody Thompson. In fact, you can go to their website. It's goro.com, G-O-R-O-W-E.com. And they encourage organizations to think about things from a results-oriented standpoint. And so what they say is, you know, rather than trying to manage where and when people work, um, to spend your time really getting clear on what you want people to accomplish, get it on paper, establish milestones, and then manage people towards that, not the when and where that they work. Now, I say this, and I know some of you are thinking, well, I run an organization and we have people who need to be at a register at a certain period of time. We have people who are doing taking customer service calls. They have to be there at a certain point of time. And okay, I get that. I understand. So if they have to be there, they have to be there and work within that system, of course. But when people don't literally have to be there, of really looking for ways, if it's appropriate to do so, and if it's going to make a difference in the work environment, to be a little bit more flexible. And I, I am, uh, I'm still kind of dumbfounded when I run into situations with leaders who are managing exempt salaried employees, and they're uh, worried about the person coming in at you know eight fifteen when they're supposed to come in at eight o'clock, and they come in at eight fifteen every day. And they're worried about, and they're, you know, how am I going to write up this person and how am I going to confront them because they keep coming in 15 minutes late and it's not affecting anything, but it's just they're 15 minutes late. And I always think to myself, like, what's the big deal? Like, don't you care about the results they produce? Why do you care about the 15 minutes? And most of the time when I've worked with leaders that have run into this situation is a quick dialogue or some flexibility will most of the time solve the issue. Now, you know, it's one thing if someone's missing meetings or they're missing um, engagements with customers or they're missing phone calls. That obviously, they have to be at work at a certain time to make those commitments that they've made. But if there's not a reason they have to be in a particular time or place uh, for a particular reason, what I would challenge you to do is to be creative. Um, is get pe- get clear on what you want people to accomplish and stop worrying about where they are and, and when they're coming in and when they're leaving. And, you know, and I know in some organizations, there's a lot of bureaucracy around this. So, you know, a little bit can go a long way on this though. So if the work schedule's eight to five and you've got an employee that needs to leave early, you know, talk to the powers that be and find the person who can make the exception. And if they can come in from 7.30 at 7.30 and leave at 4.30 so they can pick up their kids, that's huge for people. I've seen people in situations that making a, a small adjustment like that to someone's work schedule has made the difference of them being happy and feeling like they were cared about in the workplace and wanting to put in energy to move forward on something and the difference between people leaving. Um, and I, I, I'm always, uh, I guess I shouldn't be amazed, but I, I've run into situations where unfortunately people spend years fighting for something like that. Like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting years for this half hour approval. And I'm like, really? You know, uh, good, I guess. But wow, you know, why'd you have to wait years for that? And unfortunately, most of the time, it's the management team. It's the leaders that are standing in the way of that. So, and again, I'm, I don't mean to, you know, cause problems. And, and if you have a bureaucracy that says that's the way it has to be, you know, that's the way it has to be. But, you know, I would challenge you if you're a leader in your organization and if you're listening to the show, you are, 
or at the very least you want to be, is to go to the bat for people. You know, if someone needs to make an adjustment to a schedule, go to the bat and help them. Do what you can to create the results-oriented workplace. Who cares if it's 7.30 or 8 o'clock or 8.15? You know, if it doesn't matter where they are at what time, focus on the results that you want. And if you do that, you're going to have a much more engaged team. And even in the situations when you can't, you know, you, you work at a McDonald's restaurant and you need a certain staff there at a certain time to open up the store. Hey, there's always one person that will come early if someone else stays late. You know, find schedules, flip things around. I've worked in organizations where there's been tons of part-time employees who are, you know, even, you know union schedules and all that, and they've worked, it's worked out great. So just find the way that's going to work out best for everyone and try not to be too black and white on those things. If you can move to results orientation, you're going to be a lot more effective and you're going to help your team to be a lot more effective too. And then finally, the fourth area here is lead people on their terms. Now, this is counterintuitive because usually you hear lead people on your terms, (laughs) lead people on their terms. One of the things I love to ask people, and I've done this many times when I've uh, taken a position as a leader, is how can I best support you and your development? And I like to ask that at the very beginning of our relationship or beginning of the leadership relationship. And I'll tell you, I've had a few times where I've asked that to people and people just kind of stare at me and they're like, what what do you mean? (laughs) It's like, no one's ever asked me that before. I don't even know how to answer that question. And, And oftentimes people won't know how to answer that question. And so don't expect an answer right away. But if you ask the question, how can I best support you in your development, you will get them thinking. And you know what might happen is you may not get an answer that day or that week or even that month. But if you keep asking that question, eventually they're going to tell you something. And they'll start to tell you what's the best way you can lead them. And I think having conversations about just you know, dialogue and, and, how, to, and how, how to interact and, and how we're going to uh, communicate with each other are great types of dialogues to have. You know, for example, uh, do we want to, how can I best support you? Do you want me to do a daily check-in with you? Uh, Should we have weekly meetings? Do you want to do some quick coaching calls once in a while? Should we meet monthly? Uh, What do you need from me? And I've had people tell me things like, hey, you know, I, I need a lot of positive reinforcement. I'm just that kind of person. And I've had other people say, you know, hey, I don't want the positive reinforcement. I, you know, that's kind of uncomfortable for me. Treat people the way they want to be treated. It's like the old golden rule, right? (laughs) Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but you want to be looking at things from their perspective. And I think the reason that a lot of leaders get caught up in the leading people how they would want to be led, um, and by the way, that's how we all tend to lead by default. We lead people the way we want to be led, but that's not how the people we're leading want to be led necessarily. The reason that I think a lot of leaders get caught up in this is they think they have to treat everyone the same because that's fair. Treating people fairly does not mean treating them the same. Treating people fairly means treating them uh, like human beings and like individuals and the unique creations that they are. So treating people fairly does not mean treating them the same. So if you can do those four things then you're off to a pretty good start this week on staying out of people's way. So what I challenge you to do is if you're on the way to the workplace uh, this morning, is uh, make a commitment to do one of these things. Uh, Either move to an outcome-based meeting this week. Uh, Think about how you might align the working environment with the people that you're leading. Create something that will help them to be more results-oriented versus orienting on things like schedules and vacation days and all that normal stuff. 
and then finally lead people on their terms. And I bet you if you do one of those things this week, you will see some good result come out of it. And if you do, I'd love to hear from you. And this is, of course, the point in the show where I like to turn to community feedback. And this is also a great chance for you to jump in and write down the contact information because I'd love to hear from you if you do apply one of those things. And especially if you hear some, especially if you have some good results. And actually, I'd love to hear from you even if you didn't have a good result, because that's part of having good dialogue from a leadership standpoint is also talking about what doesn't work and what then we can do to improve upon it. So here's the phone number to reach out to me here on the show. It's 949-38-LEARN. And again, the email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And of course, our Skype name, Innovate Learning, same as our company name. And I do have some feedback this week from John in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, John actually sent me a great uh, letter, and I just really appreciate it, John. If you're listening, thank you so much for sending it over. And I look forward to dialoguing with you further. So I'm not going to read the entire letter, but I just thought I'd read a couple of sentences here. He says, as of this afternoon, I've listened to all 26 episodes. At the time, there were 26. And I have two mentees that are listening, too. I found that starting them on episode 16 really got them thinking about where they are in their careers and that they can't wait for the company to do something for them. Keep up the great work. You have a big fan in Columbus. Hey, John, thank you so much for the message. I'm so glad that you reached out and uh, took an opportunity to thank me for the show. But more importantly, I'm thrilled that you are really utilizing the tools and resources we've created here to help uh, mentor others and actually connect others with the show. And I wanted to read your feedback here and thank you, first of all, but also because I realized that actually we've done a poor job of really helping you to help uh, reach out to other people here on the show. And so one of the things that I'd love to ask of you, uh, since you're, uh, if you've been, especially if you're someone who's been listening to the show for some time, is would you help us out uh, to do a quick review? You know, one of the places that we syndicate this show, uh, and it's most often found, is on iTunes. And you may know that on iTunes, uh, this show is listed as a podcast, and there are reviews you can write on iTunes. And uh, one of the things that uh, happens is shows that get a lot of reviews uh, tend to uh, get up in the iTunes rankings a little more, and people have a little easier time finding them. And so uh, one of the things we haven't asked is to ask people if they'd be so kind to write a review for us. So I wanted to take a moment here today to ask you, if you're someone that has been listening to the show for a while and you found it valuable, would you mind taking a moment to write us a quick review on iTunes? And that will help us to do two things. One, it's going to help us get the word out to others, just like John has done with some of his mentees. And so that will help other people find this show. And secondly, and probably even more importantly, uh, as the show continues to grow, it'll help us attract bigger name guests on the show who are the thought leaders in the field. And that's something that's very important to me to be able to bring to you as we go uh, into the show uh, long term. And so uh, here's an easy website where you can actually get to our iTunes page. You don't have to go search for us on iTunes unless you want to. You can search for Coaching for Leaders. But you can also just go to this web address. If you go to itunes.coachingforleaders.com, so again, that's itunes.coachingforleaders.com, that'll take you right to our iTunes webpage. You can click on view and iTunes in there and you can actually write us a review 
uh, from that link. So thanks in advance if you uh, are willing to do that and certainly look forward to hearing from you on iTunes. And by the way, if you're listening on any other device uh, like the BlackBerry store, uh, those have reviews as well. We'd love to have you write a review there too if you found the show helpful for you. And I think that's just about going to wrap it up for our show here today. Just a reminder that the link for the show notes is on our website. That's coachingforleaders.com. And again, this is episode number 28. We also now are posting videos and articles up there as well. So you can subscribe up there via RSS. And uh, next week, my favorite guest, my wife, Bonnie Stahoviak, is going to be back. And she's going to be talking with us about how to intentionally connect with people and also how to multitask effectively. We'll talk about multitasking. Hey, if you or your organization is looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, let us know. We might be able to help. You can reach us at 949-38-LEARN or, of course, feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, thanks for listening today. I hope you have a great start to the week and I look forward to talking with you next Monday. Take care, everybody.